We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. everyone and welcome this morning to Wrestling with the Basics. I'm Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark from Ascension Lutheran Church in beautiful South St. Louis and here with me would typically be uh, Pastor Jolly John Lekumski of course, familiar voice on KFUO from St. Uh, Paul's Lutheran in New Athens, Illinois, Trinity Lutheran in Darmstadt, Illinois, but I don't see Pastor Lukomsky here. Maybe he's stuck in traffic coming from, from Illinois over here to uh, to St. Louis. I don't know. Uh, but here I am uh, in the I'm, studio. I'm so disappointed. I, I actually wanted to meet this Pastor Lukomsky. I've heard so many kind and good things about him. I'm just sorry he's not here today. I, I'm sorry, too. I think you would enjoy getting to know him. He is a delight always. That's, that's what I hear. <laughs> One of a kind type of guy. Uh, but I'm not alone in the studio, at least. Uh, here, uh, keeping me company, is none other than the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther uh, of Reformation fame as we celebrate the 499th anniversary, really, of, of the Reformation when you nailed those 95 theses on October the 31st of 1517. That, that's, that's right, and we're beginning now the 500th year of that that event. Isn't that amazing? Whoa. I don't look that old, do I? You, you look good for almost 500, oh, well, over you. 500. Yes, yeah, that's, that's yeah. true, yeah, because that's just when the Reformation... That's just, yeah, that's yeah. You know, yeah. Well, well, thank you, Dr. And, Luther, and, and hopefully... And I, I wanted to say thank you for, for you and Pastor Lekomsky for inviting me to come here and be with you on Wrestling with the Basics. Although I must say, I pictured the studio being a little larger. This is almost like a, a janitor's closet in here. It's a little tight, a little close. But but anyway, I'm glad to be here. It's home, at least for us. Yeah, just, just don't bump your head on the bare black It, it reminds me the of, of the, the cubicle I was in when I had the sudden insight about justification by faith, though. So it kind of brings back memories well, to I'm me, too. I'm glad to hear that. I'm yes. glad to hear that. Yeah. Well, well let, let's get on with things, Dr. Luther, and, and maybe Pastor Lukomsky will show up well, at I some hope point. So. I, I hope, hope so. so, too. Yes, yes, uh, yes. All right. Well, last week we were talking about your family, Dr. Luther. That's something maybe we, we don't talk about too much. We talk about other your, your other writings and things, but, but your family. And we left off, and you, had, you just started talking about your children. And I just wanted to get, get back to a point that you had made. Um, it, it seems like you really do love your children as you talked about them and named them. Uh, but what did you mean earlier, last week, when we said, when you said that your children are another way that, that God teaches us faith? Well, children are, are indeed a great blessing. Uh, but as with all blessings, there is great suffering because of sin. What do you mean, Luther? Well, Christ said that we must become as little children to enter the kingdom of heaven. Dear God, this is too much. Have we got to become such idiots? Take my son Hans. What was the problem with Hans? <laughs> what What was the problem? What was the problem? What, what wasn't the problem with Hans? <laughs> oh, no. I, I hope your children are not this way, but, but he was the most disobedient son that was ever created on the earth. 
I suppose it's partially my fault. He, he was my firstborn son. I, I suppose I did spoil him. But his defiance was intolerable. In fact, after a particularly insufferable episode, I refused to speak with him for three days. I even said a dead son was better than a son like Hans. Luther, I knew you said such harsh things about your enemies, but I never thought you'd speak that way about your own family. What? What, you thought Luther wasn't a sinner? You thought Luther always kept his tongue in check? (sighs) But again, Katie proved to be my gift from God. She came to me and shared with me the story of the prodigal son. How easy it is even for the teachers of the church to forget the gospel. How could I treat my own son so harshly when my own heavenly father had so willingly opened his arms to me? But the sorrows that come with children are far greater than just that of an unruly son, for that is just a matter of patience and forgiveness. But there are other struggles that require greater comforts. What exactly are you talking about, Luther? Elizabeth, our second child, our first daughter, died when she was just a baby. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, Luther. In some ways, it's good to die young. That little baby of ours never knew fear and death. For her, it was just to go to sleep and wake up to a land of apple trees and fine ponies with golden bridles and silver saddles. Better for us all if God would take us to heaven while we were still young. Well, better for the child, I suppose, but certainly not better for the grieving father and mother. Yes, yes, exactly. So we would learn again when our daughter Magdalena died at the age of 14. I remember her bedroom the night she died. Katie sat in the corner, tears in her eyes. I held on to Magdalena's hand, and I asked her, Magdalena, my little girl, would you like to stay with your father here, or would you be glad to go to your father in heaven? And she answered, Yes, dear father, as God wills. And it was the will of our father to take her home. Now it was my turn to comfort Katie. Mothers should not have to stand at the graves of their children. Sometimes one wonders whether it is true that God will not give us more than we can bear. But he does provide a way out. Together we consoled ourselves, weeping not as those who have no hope, but trusting in the first fruits of Jesus' resurrection. And yet still, it is strange to know that my daughter was at peace and all is well, and yet to be so sorrowful. Well, thank you for having the courage to share that with us, Luther. It certainly wasn't my intent to bring back sad memories from the past. Oh, that's all right. I, I'm sure every family has sad stories to tell. But where there is sadness, there is always the comfort of our Savior. And where the Lord bringeth down, he also lifteth up. Indeed, rather than close with a sad note, could I share with you a little more about Katie? Oh, please do. You know, often she and I didn't get along, as I said. In fact, sometimes when she would particularly frustrate me, I would call her Ketta instead of Katie. (laughs) Ketta? (laughs) Well, yes, that's the German word for chain, as in uh, old ball and chain. Oh, (laughs) no. But now I know upon this chain there was a beautiful jewel, a jewel so precious and valuable that I would give up all the riches of the world just to possess it. Katie was that jewel, the most precious wedding gift given by God himself. Lord, forgive me, but she was in all things so obliging and pleasing. Sometimes I give more credit to Katie than to Christ, who has done so much for me. 
You know, God in his grace gave me many great works to do. I nailed, as you said before, the 95 theses on the church doors at Wittenberg. I translated the Bible in the language of the people. I wrote the catechism. But you know what I think was the greatest work in the eyes of God? What was that, Luther? That I loved my wife and cared for my children. Indeed, my favorite writing of all times was my commentary on Galatians, which I always referred to as my Catherine von Bora. And so you see, God gives us family, whether it be mother and father, brother and sister, husband and wife, son and daughter. And where God gives family, there will be joy and love. But there will also be cross and sorrow. Both have their place and purpose. As the author of Ecclesiastes says, there is a time to weep and to rejoice. Uh, All of this reminds me of one of my favorite Bible passages. And what is that, Luther? Where Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. Now, I realize that most people think that family should only be a place of laughter and happiness. We may desire that, but of course we all know that isn't true. Why, it's right there in the wedding vows themselves. We pledge ourselves not only for richer, but for poorer as well. Not only in health, but in sickness too. Not only for better, but also for worse. And so you see, the crosses come as they will for all men. But God gives us family so that we do not carry crosses alone. The blessing of family is that together with Christ, we bear one another's burdens. But even in Christian families, even in my family, that was not always so. There's something I discovered as I bore the various crosses that afflict our families. And what is that, Luther? I learned that the real problem in my family was not the troubles that beset me from outside, the the poverty, the illness, or even the death. So what was the real problem? It was I and how I responded to those external troubles. All we really needed to do in the face of these crosses was simply to love one another. But as I shared before, often in the face of these crosses, I found myself uh, anger and full of selfishness and doubt. And that is precisely why Jesus said, take up your crosses and follow me. And why is that, Luther? Because you know where he leads us, don't you? He's leading us to his cross where he would suffer and die and give up his life precisely for sinners like myself. And also rise up on the third day. Exactly. And so by following him, we learn that there is forgiveness for those who are not the mother and father and sisters and brothers and sons and daughters that they should be. And further, we learn that for sinful people, there is still hope that even in death, as you said, there is the promise of forgiveness and everlasting life and resurrection. And so you see, family life is not about perfect people living the perfect life. But it is about weak, sinful people taking up their crosses and following Jesus. Well, Dr. Luther, we've come to the end of our presentation. Is there any final thing you would like to share with us? I hope you have seen that marriage and family are not just some accident of this world, but all of these are given to us by God to be a schoolhouse of faith, as it were. For in our families, we learn that our sin, we learn about our sin indeed, but in his word, we learn of his forgiveness. In families, we learn about the struggles of his of this world. But in his word, we learn that he will make all things work together for good. But most of all, in our families, we learn that the wages of sin is death. But in his word, we learn that in Christ there is life everlasting, and as you said, the resurrection of the dead. Don't you see that if we have families and we have the word of God, we have it all. We will have opportunity and abundance to have faith in him and love for one another. Well, thank you, Luther. Great point. And God's blessings to you and 
to your family. And to yours as well, and to all of those who are listening. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I uh, actually uh, need to attend uh, to something here. I do understand that you keep the facilities inside the buildings now rather than outside. <laughs> That's right, Luther. We've made some advances compared to oh. 500 years ago. Uh, feel free to use the restroom just down the hall to the right. All right. Well, hopefully I'll see you later. Well, I hope so, too. Take care. Uh, oh. Hi. Uh, where's Luther at? Oh, Pastor Lukomsky, uh, I'm sorry, you just missed me. He was here in the studio. He just stepped out oh. uh, to use the restroom. Oh. Uh, sorry you missed him. I, I stopped to get a sandwich at McDonald's. I guess I shouldn't have done that. Shoot, I wanted oh. to see Luther, and I dismissed him. And he wanted to see you, too. He was very much looking forward to it. I'm just sorry you missed him. You, you know what? I, I don't know what the deal is. I guess I'm just really, really unlucky because, I, 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 you know, he was speaking at, at St. Paul, Columbia. I went over there for church. Missed him. He was gone by the time I got there. It seems like that's the way it always is. Is Whenever, that right? Yeah, just, just, I'm just like a minute. Two steps behind yeah, Luther. Yeah, I uh, guess. All right. Story of your life. Shoot. Well, maybe I'll have to text him or something and ask him to let me know the next time he's going to be in town. Well, good. Good. So, that's uh, the least he could do is text you. <laughs> <laughs> so what did, what did you guys talk about? Oh, we talked about all sorts of stuff. Did you really? <laughs> we mainly talked about Luther and his family, surprisingly oh, enough. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, we, we mentioned some of his other writings and things. Those are all good. But yeah, we, we talked about family life, his, his marriage to Katie, his wife, his children, and the struggles they went to. And, and how God really worked in the midst of all of those things. And, you know, I guess that's kind of fun to do because we forget that Luther was actually a real live person like like Matt, like John, and he probably had all kinds of ups and downs just like we have in our families and everything and stuff. But you didn't, I guess, well, maybe since you didn't talk about it, maybe we should talk about why we mentioned Luther this time of the year, especially this particular year. Sure. Yeah, you know, when I talked to him, he gave some very Lutheran answers. Oh, did he? You know? Okay. Well, he is Lutheran. You can kind of expect that from him. Yeah. No, so, yeah, this time of year, so October the 31st is the actual yep. day. Many people so know last, it So as... last week, uh, Monday, Monday. Last week, Monday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not just Halloween, but that's also what we recognize as Reformation Day. And so many of our churches, especially Lutheran churches, uh, recognize and celebrate that event. Uh, typically, that's Sunday right before Reformation Day. And this year, we mark the 499th anniversary of that uh, landmark event of Luther nailing the 95 theses, those 95 sort of statements of faith to the church doors uh, at the Castle Church in Wittenberg, Germany. You know, he he came to our church several years ago, and again, I was I was off that week. Go what are the figure. odds of that? I, you know, but he he had come by, and and uh, you know the neat thing is is that he wouldn't have to do that anymore because we now have bulletin boards. <laughs> he could have just <laughs> taken a thumbtack and posted it right up there. Can you imagine how much more the Reformation might have accomplished if they had bulletin, bulletin boards, boards. <laughs> back in his day and age? But well, there you go. Well, and I think you bring up a good point. Your bulletin boards, obviously, we all recognize that's yeah. when you want someone to see something, that's where you usually post it, on the bulletin board, on the internet, uh, Facebook, whatever. Uh, but in Luther's time, if you wanted the worshipers to see something, or if you just wanted people in the city to see something, you would put it on the doors of the church, and that's where they would place it. 
announcements, things that wanted to be shared with others. Yeah, because that's the other thing. People went to church. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's good too, right? People... Well, I, you know, although I, I, I think I, we should just note that they went to church because they were obligated to go to church. It, it yeah. was a little bit different. In Maybe fact, not for the right reasons. That probably was one of the things that he put up the 95 Theses because it was not so much a, a church in the Middle Ages of faith as much as a church of obedience and rules and regulations and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, if, you know, you, you're a Lutheran. What would you say were some of the key concerns he had? What, what, what started the Reformation, really? Well, I think really what, what you mentioned already, this obligation to do yeah. something to please God or to somehow earn forgiveness or contribute to our salvation. Uh, Luther recognized that the church had gotten away from what the Word of God teaches and really what the, the church throughout history has taught, and it strayed from that. And especially when it comes to the 95 Theses, one of the things that Luther addresses is the sale of indulgences. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So the, at the time, the Roman Catholic Church selling indulgences. Now, now you need to explain what an indulgence is. So We're actually st- thinking of starting that again because you can make a lot of money with indulgences. If, if you might think about their ascension, too. There's a lot of money to be had in indulgences, but maybe you should explain yeah, to our listeners what that is. Forget the trivia nights, the oh, yeah, uh, sausage yeah. dinners, the real money makers. Oh, speaking That's of which, our spaghetti supper is coming up. <laughs> The Saturday before Thanksgiving, four to four to uh, seven at the community hall. But again, we could make a lot more money selling indulgences. One stop for both spaghetti and your indulgence. Maybe we could combine the two. That's a good idea. All right. (laughs) So an indulgence is a piece of paper that was bought, purchased with money, and the indulgence entitled you to forgiveness or time off of purgatory. Right. um, Right. For you or for your your loved one, maybe someone who's already died. So this indulgence would entitle you to some of the uh, extra good works that are kind of just being saved up in a warehouse somewhere that the Pope had control over, at least he claimed well, to have control over. Well, because over. there were some people... That were extra good. That were extra good, yeah. The saints. Yeah, it wasn't us. So they not, had... My, John and right. Matt. We didn't, we didn't gain any extras, yeah. but, so, but there so were. So the, the thought was that, yeah, the, the saints had some of these saints and figures in the Bible and others, that had done so many good works, more than what they needed to get into heaven, that these good works were sort of stored up, just being held uh, in storage, and now the the Pope could release some of those good works and uh, attribute them to other people, um, so that, yeah, their time on purgatory could be lessened, or a loved one maybe who's already died, or some of those good works could be credited to their account, uh, and even given forgiveness. And, and, and in all fairness, when they started this indulgence thing, it wasn't like everybody got indulgences or that you could buy indulgences. But if you went and fought in the uh, Crusades, for example, then you might be awarded some indulgence for those kind of works. But like you said, uh, by Luther's day, there were guy like, guys like Tetzel that were just going around from church to church selling them. Yeah. yeah hawking uh, indulgences. Yeah. Hawking indulgences. Uh, and the the... the well, there's a couple different problems with this, but one of the problems is people started to put their their trust, their hope of salvation uh, in yeah. this indulgence, in what they bought with money, in this piece of paper. And of course, as Luther points out, yeah, our trust isn't in indulgences or in our good works, whether it be a saint's good work or our own good works. You know, for salvation, for forgiveness, our trust is in, in Christ, in Him alone, and what He's done for us on the cross. That, that's what Paul said in Romans. He says it's a free gift. Exactly. So if it's a free gift, then you don't have to pay for it. I, yeah, I, I understand that's how it works, yeah. And then, yeah. of course, too, if, if the, the Pope really did have the power to release these good works and credit it to other people, and they're just sort of sitting in some storehouse somewhere, well, why doesn't he do that for free? Yeah. Why, why is the Pope 
pe- charging people nineteen ninety five uh, <laughs> per indulgence uh, to get this forgiveness and good works credited to them. So uh, again, so Luther goes back to the scriptures, goes back to God's word, goes back to the central message of, of God's word, Jesus Christ, and that salvation by grace through faith. And it's interesting you mentioned the Pope, because to us it seems like, well, that's pretty straightforward. It's what the Bible teaches. In fact, it even seems kind of reasonable. Uh, 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 God's give, forgiveness is a free gift. But yeah, that was the real issue, wasn't it? It, it was a challenge to the Pope's authority. Uh, it also undermined a very, very good fundraising effort that the uh-huh, church yeah, had. And of course, yeah, they were trying enough. to finish the uh, St. Peter's Cathedral down there in, in Rome and everything. Uh, and I don't think Luther understood all of the uh, political upheaval he would cause. So yeah. uh, I think that's safe to say. And and I think Luther really did, at least early on, think that if he could just clearly explain from Scripture what his reasoning was, like in the 95 Theses, surely people would understand, surely the Church would um, make those changes uh, to get back to what God's Word teaches. And sadly, uh, that's not what takes place. Instead, uh, he's branded a heretic by the Church, and even... Uh, as we heard from Luther himself in our interview, even they were out to get get him and take his life. The, the, the great uh, diet of worms, which of course is not something you eat. No, nope. <laughs> <laughs> that's a city in Germany. And diet, fortunate name, was an assembly of uh, of honored men. In fact, the greatest uh, uh, secular leader of the time, uh, King Charles, the Holy Roman Emperor. Uh, and, uh, you know, Luther, they told him he needed to recant of these teachings, and, and Luther simply said, here I stand, I cannot do otherwise. Because um, he understood that it wasn't his words. If it was his words, he could take them back, right? Yeah, but sure. they were the words of Jesus. You can't take back somebody else's words. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so those famous words, here I stand. And then following that diet of worms, that's when they have to basically kidnap Luther, oh, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. To save Tell him that life, story. That, that's an interesting story. Well, yeah, he was on his way back, and then his his friends, basically, and colleagues, uh, others watching out for Luther, uh, kidnap him and take him to Wartburg Castle. Right. Uh, unknown to him at the time. Uh, but then God uses that time sort of in isolation in Wartburg for Luther to do scholarly work, to work on translating the Bible uh, into the language of the people, into the vernacular, into German, so that people could have the New Testament scriptures in their own language for the first time. I can't imagine not having that. Yeah, so kid, kids, think about it. You, you hate it when you get sent to your room, and that's literally what happened to Luther. He was locked away in this little room in Castle Wartburg, where all he could see is the birds flying through his windows. But, as you said, the Lord actually used that for a great blessing, because that's where he translated the Bible for the first time in a language that people could really read. I think sometimes we, we take that for granted, Matt. We, in, in Luther's day, there were no Bibles for you to read, and if you could find a Bible, it was in Latin, so I, I can't read Latin. Can you read Latin? So no, no. It wouldn't, wouldn't do us any good even now, uh, but what a blessing that he set that pattern for taking the Word of God and translated it into the language that everybody can understand. So, yeah. And for God to bring all this about in his timing, it seems, uh, Luther's life, but also the invention of the printing press, or at least oh, yeah. so that then God's word could be disseminated. Uh, the scriptures, the catechism, those different teaching tools that Luther wrote, uh, what a blessing that all this comes together at just the right time, it seems, so that God's word would be spread. And, and here we are, 499 years later, uh, still celebrating this, recognizing this. Uh, not not the man Martin Luther, not that we want to uh, uh, put him on a pedestal necessarily, but the, to, to ultimately uh, give thanks for the work that the Lord did. 
through an individual and, like and, Martin Luther. In fact, Luther. L- Luther would say that. He said, all I am is just a, a, a bag of ma- maggot food. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, it really, you know, he, he did his thing, but it was the Lord and the Word and God that uh, kept the gospel going. And, and he was just an instrument, just like you and I are instruments, and everyone who listens to us are instruments of uh, making sure everybody knows that God loves them and their forgiveness is free in Jesus Christ. So, well, we hope everybody had a good Reformation. And, and did you have a good Reformation, Matt? I did have a good Reformation. We had a Reformation breakfast. People were wearing reds just for fun because that's kind of a Reformation-y thing to do, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, like you said, it's not about those things, but it's about uh, that gospel of Jesus Christ central uh, to our salvation. And we welcome you back then. Join us again next week, and we'll continue wrestling with the basics. Wrestling with the basics.